Uh, this is a this is a band that that Jeff and I hi, we we think we think uh, we we like a lot. I can't even fucking talk. Oh my god! <laughs> Woo. Holy goddamn! <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! What are you laughing about? <laughs> what are you know. laughing about? <laughs> What's going on with you? Oh, I, I think I, I think like finally the beer is has really has really got to me. It <laughs> <laughs> really hit me. It's so dumb. Why do you even? Why? Because we're uh, haying in? Yeah, just the hazing. So stupid. <laughs> but it's, it's like very a, dumb. But we still do it because we, it's what makes it, it's what makes us happy. It is, and it gets out our jitters. So we, you know, we, we helps do, us get into the mood. Whenever we get together as a group, there are still things we do that we've been doing since high school that is that are so stupid, but we do them because they make us happy, and they're fun. And what are those things? What, I don't even know. What, what are some of those things? Uh, those because maybe I just do it subconsciously. Those are things for another day. Those are things for another day. Oh, okay. All right. Then. <laughs> I was gonna hold out that pause. And see All right. Well, this see is how real awkward it could get, but you, you came in <laughs> you're doing hard. All right. All right. He, uh, we're, we're, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the greatest podcast in the entire world uh, because we we get into the nitty gritty of a different album every single episode, and this is gonna be a good one because Jeff's never really been a big fan of this band of the Dead Kennedys, but uh, but. They're pretty great. Ah. But uh, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you again for listening. My name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles way out there in the ether is Jeff. All right, but like we do normally with our uh, our album of the week, before we do that, we'd like to get into their the band's discography and then rank them because we love to rank things. We're Asinine Radio. We're the, rank, we're the new ranking pod. And uh, we're going with the Dead Kennedys. We're going to go with their their four albums plus their, their comp um Oh my God! Why is give it? me convenience or, or give, give me, me death. death? There you go. That's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna start from from worst best to best best. Uh, what do you got, Jeff? Because you're gonna go first. What do you got? What's your favorite album and your favorite song from this album? Wait, go. you just said what's my favorite album? My favorite song. I mean, I mean your my least your worst best album. Your least best or your worst best? Okay. Well, there is no worst best. It's just my least best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't have a bad album. Uh but my my least favorite good to hear. my least best is Franken Christ. Franken Franken Christ. Mm-hmm. That's my least favorite. Um they they sounding more like the Misfits type band than they did on the first Dead Kennedys. Uh the hmm. Franken Christ is appropriate seeing as the sound here is very spooky at times. Like Halloween has that surf rock sound. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. use that. I'm gonna use that term a lot with the Dead Kennedys. Is surf rock makes sense? Uh, a lot of good bass sounds and other wacky stuffs. Mm-hmm. Mm, but 
overall, it's just it, it didn't have it didn't have the edge. It did not have the edge. But uh, MTV Get Off the Air that was that was probably like my 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 favorite one. It was fun. It was funny, and it was kind of musically complex. There was a lot of there was a lot of layers in there that I did not expect. Mm-hmm. For, I, I mean, to be honest, there, there there are a lot of layers from the Dead Kennys I didn't expect musically until this week. But yeah, yeah. MTV Get Off the Air is definitely a little more complex of an of a song. So Frank and Christ is really your 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 least best yes. for this one, huh? Yes. All right. You know, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. That's my least my least Whoa! best as well. Yeah, we're we're starting off strong right now with one another. So Frank and Christ, uh, my favorite song is also MTV Get Off the Air. This is just another one. Uh where we agree on everything. And <laughs> this one it's it's my least favorite only because it's kind of takes like a more slowed down approach to everything else. I kind of like the franticness and the, the spastic nature of dead Kennedys. That's kind of what it, what it always drawn me to them and still does, but that doesn't, it did really, it's just, it, this is a different record for them and this is their second record. And, uh, but I mean, other than, other than that, it's, it's solid, man. I, I like Frank and Christ a lot, but it's just not their best. Just not their best. All right, so what do you got for number four? What What is your, your fourth best uh, or fourth least best, whatever you want to say? Uh, plastic surgery disasters. All right, what's the reason for that? Um, again, this one kind of lost a little of that fun edge. This one leaned a little more heavily into like the instrumentation, which is fine, but it's just not what I was looking for in the Dead Kennedys before going into their discography and while listening to their discography. Mm-hmm. Just not what I wanted. Um, but my favorite song was was Riot. Starts off mm-hmm. as like an almost instrumental and it kicks mm-hmm. in fast and hard. It's just it's just it's fantastic. And the the way it bleeds into Bleed for Me is is just perfect. And again, this is just a perfect like surf rock punk sound. Ah, oh, that's crazy. You, you, do you want to know why it's crazy? <laughs> is this, is this, this is yours too? Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> this is my number four as well. Plastic surgery oh, disasters. Shit. Dude, this this might be it. This might be the, the only time ever where we have agreed on the rankings of the albums. This is this is remarkable. Truly, truly remarkable. Oh, I'm so nervous uh, now. <laughs> but plastic surgery disasters this is their second record this is um they they kind of went with more the like you said the the little bit longer songs the more instrumental stuff which is really cool uh but it kind of took away from what i love so much about fresh fruit about that record and but it's still it's solid stuff solid solid stuff and my my favorite song off this one is government flu that's it's a, it's a wild song and the lyrics are wild. It's it's good. It's a great song, great record. That's Plastic Surgery Disasters. So that's damn, my number four. Damn, damn, damn. So what do you got for number three? Ah, now I'm nervous. Okay, number three for me is Bedtime. Bedtime for Democracy. Okay. Just waiting here. Okay, so th- <laughs> there, were, there, there were some really heavy, fast songs here. Some of the fastest and hardest they've ever done. Mm-hmm. There was there was a ton of energy like they've always had, but it was it was still not like the sarcastic snotty n- snottiness of the first album of 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 Fresh Fruit. Fresh Fruit, yeah. And and that's why 
It's it's number three. Like this was a great album. This was so fucking good for me. It's just they can't all be number one. So this is their their third best. But Chicken Shit Conformist that was my favorite song. <laughs> I loved I loved the back and forth between like the fast part and the slow part. Mm-hmm. Like that just shows that they can they can do like everything. They can do a little bit of everything. They've done they've done like little jazzy numbers. They've done like bluesy stuff. But then they can kind of go back and forth between mm-hmm. being mellow, being calm, just to being like obnoxiously fast and 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 sloppy and, and a mess. Yeah, they're in really a good, good way. at it. Yeah. So what was your? Oh yeah, chicken chick, chicken chick conformist. So my number three here for the Dead Kennedys. Would you believe it? It's bedtime for democracy. Damn. That is all. That is oh my, my number God. three. That's that is crazy. my number three. <laughs> 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 oh shit I'm, I'm with you though you know it, it it was a nice kind of i don't want to say throwback but it was it was nice that they went back to the uh to the kind of the the faster tempo the more spastic style of the band and uh, which uh, you know like i said before that's what i like a lot about the band and they they did it well and considering this is their their last record of fully original material for them to still sound this good was really really cool so yeah, and my my favorite song in here is the Great Wall. I, I think that's a it's a fantastic song. But Chicken Chick Conformist Conformist Conformist, conformist. is also a solid one too. That was probably my my runner up to the Great Wall. But the Great Wall, you know, it's it's one of the the more wild songs on the record, and that's kind of why it's my my favorite off of it. So that leads us to our number two. What okay, do you have for your number two. Number two is uh, is Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Hmm. This uh, this non-album has some serious bangers on it. It's not an album, but it was okayed by Jello. Yes. So my biggest complaint with, with compilations is unlike an album where an album is, is kind of curated to a uniform sound, to uniform direction, to 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 some to something right, but the compilation you're throwing a bunch of songs onto a compilation and releasing it. If it's good or bad, I don't know, but I, at least Jello has said yes, thumbs up. I'm doing thumbs up. You can't see me. I'm doing <laughs> thumbs up. I agree with this. So that's that's something that that is to be taken into consideration. But this album has some serious bangers on it. This album is sassy. It's sarcastic. It's it's petty. Yeah. Like and it's it's just full of fun. And and I I love I love the story of like Pull My Strings, that song Pull My Strings and their switcheroo that they did. Yeah. Like it's so fucking petty. It's so <laughs> stupid, but it's so important. It's so good. <laughs> Fantastic. And 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 my favorite song, like obviously I like Police Truck is just like, nostalgic the fact that it's just a great song structurally but if i had to choose something else besides police truck i I would i would probably do like life sentence because that song is also a fucking banger and i playlisted that i playlisted most i think between the 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 last between bedtime plastic surgery and frankenchrist there's probably two songs or three songs that i playlisted but between fresh fruit and give me convenience there's probably like 10 songs that I playlisted. Ooh, that's that's impressive. Yeah, there was a lot. Very impressive. There was a lot. <sighs> okay, my number two here is also Give Me Convenience or Give Damn. Me Death. 
<laughs> we did it. We've, we've done it. We've done. This is the first time ever we've done this, where our rankings match exactly. That is a record. That is. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah, like like you said, it's a comp, but it still works really well. It was the last thing Jello approved. Uh, I think this this was released after the band had broken up, but it was still approved by Jello. And um, but yeah, dude, it's solid. I mean, a couple of the songs are songs from like Fresh Fruit, like uh, California Uberalis, but it's it's played slower. Um, and then also, I think Holiday Cambodia is also on there, but it's an it's an altered version of it. But my my biggest banger off of this one is it's Police Truck, Police Truck, and because it's that was really the first song I ever heard from them, so. Yeah, police truck is my my banger, and that's give me convenience or give me death. I it's it's, it's quite just, a banger of it's an just album. A good song though, like right. It's just like structurally, it's a fantastic song. It's 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 just different enough from a lot of their mainstream stuff to mm-hmm. where it's intriguing, but it still holds that weird Jello edge. It still holds that that kind of like it's that uh, surf rock. Yeah, it's the reverb. It's the reverb on the guitars that. I uh, just it, there's so much reverb packed onto it, and then just Jello's de- vocal delivery on that song is fucking killer. That's a great song, man. It's truly a great song, best on the record. But you know, it, like it might be that it might be because of nostalgia, but who knows? Who knows? So I guess that leaves us with our favorite record, and this actually is the album that we're. This is our album of the week, so. Oh. What, what do we got, Jeff? What album are we doing? We are doing um, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. If in progress is ours once more, now that we have a new Turan bomb, it's nice and quick and clean and good. things done. Away with the Dead Kennedys formed in June 1978 in San Francisco, California by East Bay Ray on guitar, Jello Biafra on vocals, Klaus Floride on bass, 6025 on rhythm guitar, and Ted on drums. They currently have four full-length records, one EP, three compilations, one demo, and three live albums. But the album we're doing this week is called Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. 
It's their first album, and it was re- released September 2nd, 1980. It features Jello Biafra on vocals, East Bay Ray on guitar, Klaus Florid on bass, Ted drum, Ted on drums, <laughs> <laughs> and is also one of the most important albums in punk rock music. Oh! Now, Jeff, that's not even a bold statement because it's the oh. truth. It's true. Uh, so what are your first impressions on the Dead Kennedys and this album in general? What do you got? Go! Hey. <laughs> uh, my first impression with Dead Kennedys was from Tony Hawk, was Police Truck. That's the first Dead Kennedy song I remember hearing. That's the first Dead Kennedy song I liked. I Me playing the 64 Nintendo version, there were no lyrics. It was just instrumental. And so um, it was. It was cool. It was. It was. A, it was a fantastic song. And then years later, when I heard the voice, when I heard Jello's voice, I just thought, like, man, this should just been. This has just been an instrumental. Like, why? Why would you even <laughs> sing if you're going to sing like that? You just. You sound dumb. You sound annoying. It's irritating. I don't like mm-hmm. it. Stop singing. <laughs> and then over the years, like I've heard so many songs from Dead Kennedys, especially from this album. Like I like. I think I had like six songs I recognized as being the Dead Kennedys, but not being the Dead Kennedys specifically, I guess. Yeah. And and just, I guess my overall appreciation now for the Dead Kennedys is is that that was the point. Like that's like not only does that is that how he talks, Jello. That's how he kind of talks in real life. Yeah. So it's not like just an act. But it's a little more exaggerated when he sings, and but that's that's like the point. The point is is for you to feel uncomfortable. The point is is for you to feel kind of like awkward and like why am I listening to this when he sounds like a weirdo? So it, rather than focus on on his vocal capabilities, you focus on the music and the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Thus, going into like the political aspect of the Dead Kennedys, and I think it's good. I, I think I think it was a good. It was a good, it was, it was a good, they did a good job. They did they a done, good, they, they did a good job. <laughs> they done good. They, they done, done good. good. They done did good. <laughs> uh, much like you, my first impression with Dead Kennedys was also Police Truck from Tony Hawk. But the difference is I played the play, the PlayStation 1 version, which had the vocals on there. So I've, I've known f- right from the beginning what Jello sounded like and what the Dead Kennedys sounded like. And I, I loved it. I loved it the moment I heard it. I thought it was fantastic, but I never really dove deep into the Dead Kennedys until ex-girlfriend of the pod, Jessica. Her her cousin actually was super, he was a super punker. He had the, the big spiked hair, the mohawk at some point, the, the studded jacket, the patches and all that. And he gave me a, a burn copy, like a mixtape of Dead Kennedys and it was like half of half of fresh fruit. It had a, uh, and then mostly stuff off of um, the uh, the comp, and the fucking give me convenience or give me death. So I that's where I really heard heard Dead Kennedys was off of that comp, and then eventually I got fresh fruit. And then the last thing I I didn't actually didn't get into the the other three records, the Frankenchrist and Bed Bedtime for Democracy, until probably like. 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I'd always just stuck to fresh fruit and the, the comp, but I, I've always loved dead Kennedys and I've always thought that they were, they were great. And I, I missed an opportunity to go see them, even though it was without Jello back in like 2008, 
I got free tickets to go see them at House of Blues in Anaheim. And uh, and at the last minute, I was just like, ah, I had nobody to go with, so I, I just didn't go. But looking back, I wish I would have gone just to say I could. I saw the Dead Kennedys at some point. But see, I, you, you you may have dodged a bullet there, though. Yeah. If Jello can take this to the grave, if if he can no longer ever ever play with the Dead Kennedys and put on a show like that, yes, you have the opportunity to see the Dead Kennedys. But if if Jello is not with the Dead Kennedys, then is it really the Dead Kennedys? Like what's the point? Or are you like, watching just a a really good punk rock karaoke band? <laughs> it's like the Misfits without Danzig. Are you really seeing the Misfits? Right. Uh, when Danzig wrote all the music, and he's not there, are you seeing them? And it goes the same way with Dick Kennedy's. If because Jello wrote most of the music, almost like probably ninety five percent of it, if not more. Like, are you really seeing the true Dead Kennedy's? Doesn't it's weird. But it wasn't even just about like Jello writing the music. It was about him. I mean, the front man of, with any band, your front man is going to is going to be eighty percent of your band. It, Unfortunately, yeah. If you have good musicians, then people that want to dive deeper can dive deeper and see that oh, the guitarist is fantastic, or, or Klaus, the bass player, is is fantastic. But realistically, like like your band is kind of based around your front man, and without your front man, then you're just you're just another band. No matter yeah. how good you are, either. Yeah, I mean, you saw it with Black Sabbath. I know they they replaced Dio. I mean, they replaced Ozzy with Dio, and it worked well for them. But it was never as great or as as significant as it was with Ozzy. Or Van Halen too. Van Halen is the same way. They replaced Roth with Hagar and. Technically, yeah, they they sold more records with Hagar, but he, yeah, he wasn't bad though. He was he right. wasn't he's yeah, all right. true, but he's still, right. Van Halen is with David Lee Roth, not with Hagar for sure. I agreed one hundred percent. But um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Kennedy's, dead, dead Kennedys, dead Kennedys, dead Kennedys, dead Kennedys. <laughs> Listening to this album, like there were so many bands that I just thought, like specifically this band, the Aquabats. I thought, like, holy fuck, dude, the Aquabats take so much from the Dead Kennedys. And they're mm-hmm. like a fucking weird ska band. They're a weird yeah. ska band that clearly, like, MC Bat Commander or um, Kristen Jacobs, the guy who does also, what's that show? Yo Gabba Gabba. Like, mm-hmm. clearly that guy has taken so much from Dead Kennedys and Jello Biafra. It is insane. Yeah, absolutely. The Vandals, Guttermouth, AFI. Like, there's so many bands that we listen to. Like, there's so many groups and artists that we listen to that take directly from the Dead Kennedys. That is that it's insane. And the Vandals. Mm-hmm. The, uh, later on, we'll talk about a song that is clearly. I don't want to say a ripoff, but it's clearly an homage to a song on this album. But mm. I think that was absolutely amazing. And and one of so like my two favorite people on this are EBR East Bay Ray, and Jello Biafra. Yeah, absolutely. Like clearly, Jello Biafra is my favorite. Favorite. It's like it's like everybody's favorite just because he's so interesting. He is. He's just he's just, he's such an inter- interesting guy. There's there's so much about him that is just so fucking weird and so abstract and so out there. It's just he's just such a bizarre dude. There's so much about him, but also East Bay Ray, right? East I Bay don't Ray. Think he's, yeah. Okay, so East Bay Ray is the only constant member of the De- of the Dead Kennedys, right? 
Well, Klaus is too, right? I think Klaus has been there from the beginning. Is he still there today? Cause he yeah, did- well, he, he actually, you're right, because he did take a little break. Right. He, went, he hasn't been in the band the entire time. Right. He took so, a break, but he was there from the beginning. EBR is the only constant member of the, D, of the Dead Kennedys. He started, the, so like they started when the, he was 22. EBR was 22 when the Dead Kennedys started. Mm-hmm. He, he put out this ad and it said like, hey, I'm looking to start a punk band. Hit me up. EBR, East Bay Ray. Like, like who, who, like, I hate when people give themselves a nickname, mm-hmm. but I like this. <laughs> I, I, I dig it. I dig it because Frisco is, is a city that should be, should be fucking the best. Like Frisco should be in the top five, 10 cities on the earth, but it's like the top worst on the yeah, earth it's because awful. it's a garbage fucking city. Frisco sucks. Yeah, but there's so many cool things about Frisco. There's so much history there. There's so much good music there. Movies, like everything about Frisco, should be great. But when you go there, it sucks. It's it's just it's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also it's just like EBR. It's crazy how surf rock. It's it's crazy how much he sounds like 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 a surf rock sound. Like like he took this this surf rock from the Beach Boys and just added like a faster punk element to it. But he doesn't even credit like surf rock, right? He he credits like Sid Barrett from from uh, uh, from Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd as as like one of his his idols. Like he cre- he he credits Elvis Sun Sessions that album that that we even <laughs> talked about as one of his yeah. like favorite records of all time. And so then, weird. And then people ask him like, dude, why the fuck does Dead Kennedy sound like surf rock? He's like, I don't know. I guess it's just because <laughs> I grew up next to the beach. Like that is oh, how crazy so that is how crazy influential Frisco is. That is how crazy influential living next to the beach is. That it it seeps into your like deep psyche. It like alters who you are to where you don't even realize that that is mm-hmm. who you are because you're so there's so much surf rock and, and and surf culture just living next to the beach that you don't even realize it. And it's just it becomes a part of who you are at that point rather than who you're influenced by. And I think East Bay Ray, damn, I think it's so good. And 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 he co-founded Alternative Tentacles with Jello. We can talk about, but mm-hmm. like my favorite thing about him is is just is just how surf rock his sound is, and how much he doesn't even realize it. Yeah, and how much that sound has influenced so many others, unknowingly. You know, I think I feel like punk bands or just bands in general, they'll they'll reference Dead Kennedys more than they will a lot of surf rock. Just unknowingly, it's it's crazy how big of an influence his style had on on punk rock music after this, after he's, they were done. He's also like super smart in in the realm of 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 like hardware. So I I, I was reading this other thing where where he was he's like way technical with sound. So okay. in in his early days, he uses he used like a knockoff Japanese Strat, but he like aug- augmented his amps to achieve the sound that he wanted as if he was using like a legit strat. And then, huh. and then sometimes he would crank the amp up. He would just fucking turn it up all the way, turn the amp mm-hmm. up, tur- turn the gain up, turn the volume up as much as it possibly could. And then he would just adjust the volume knob on his guitar rather than use like the amp itself. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a different viewpoint on, on tone. That's cool though. I, I didn't know that part about him at all. That's crazy, right? To think that that you could crank your amp, like literally, put it up to eleven, as Spinal Tap says, crank it up to eleven, yeah, crank it up to ten, put everything up, put the gain as far up as you can, and then just adjust it on the volume on your guitar. 
That's yeah, it's nuts. That's weird. I've never heard. I've never heard of that. Nobody does but it, that. But like, why don't like why doesn't anybody do that? You, your amp comes with one to ten, a knob that could, that theoretically <laughs> could go to ten. Why don't we turn into ten? Normally, people turn into like a seven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you're seven afraid of like blowing eight. it out, right? But blowing like, out the why? tubes it's or whatever. It's a fucking amp. Like, use it for what it's designed for. And EBR did that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that, that's a, that's an interesting viewpoint on on tone, definitely. And and then more about EBR, he liked to use like subtle nuances of multiple pedals in like a recording environment. Mm-hmm. But when he played live, he kept it simple. It was just a pedal. And then it got to the point where because of the Dead Kennedy shows were so crazy, they were so fucking insane. So many people were storming the stage. But he couldn't just keep one pedal in front of him because people would be constantly stepping on it. So what he did was like taped or like screwed a, another pedal to like the back or the side of his amp. So that way, oh. if he needed to, he could just go over and like hit it, switch it over there rather than having keeping it on the floor because there were constantly people on the floor at the Dead Kennedy <laughs> That's shows. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> like this guy is so fucking rad. He's so cool. Yeah, he's he he is really rad. That's I didn't I didn't know about that pedal thing either. Like, but that totally makes sense. Instrument wise, he's not my favorite on the album, but as a person, he is my favorite. Besides, Jello. yeah, he's pretty innovative for sure. I think EBR is my favorite. Jello's just my favorite because he's just so interesting. Also, EBR, he did a guest spot for uh, Amanda Palmer. Um, she was a, a the I guess the co singer or the singer for Dresden Dolls. Mm-hmm. But she she released a bunch of um, solo albums, and one of the albums she did was raised, or, or the money she did was raised by a Kickstarter campaign, which raised over a million dollars to for what for for her second album, just to produce her second oh, album. Shit. And it was highly criticized because she supposedly didn't pay all of the all of the personnel for for working on that album. All, all the people that play guitar, the cello, everything. Mm-hmm. She, it, it was like there's tons of articles came out that she wasn't paying her artists what they were worth. And I thought that was very interesting. Very interesting yeah. because EBR worked with somebody who was mm-hmm. mad that EBR didn't pay him. Or no, other <laughs> way around. But now he's working with somebody else that isn't paying their artist. Yeah. That is. Kind of coming full circle there. But... but- I noticed that EBR also didn't. He he did hasn't done a lot outside of Dead Kennedys. He's he done very little. Yeah, I mean he doesn't need to, but he. It's surprising considering how innovative he was, that he never really did anything outside of it. After like 1987, that's it. <laughs> he just he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't put anything out. Like if you look at Klaus and like Peligro, they've done they've done quite a bit. Especially Peligro, I mean, he played with the Chili Peppers and yeah. and all that kind of shit, but. Yeah, it's just EBR, just nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's super weird. Super, super weird. Um, but before we get into, do you have anything more about EBR right now? No, that's that's pretty much all of my EBR talk. Okay. Uh, so so let's get into to our bangers and stinkers on this record. Do you have any stinkers? No, there are no stinkers. Okay, I'm with you. There are no stinkers. No stinkers. So let, then let's go with, with your, your biggest banger. Off of this this album, Fresh Fruit. Uh, I think I think Kill the Poor is probably my biggest banger. What really? Yeah, I think you um, made it seem like you hated it. No, I was just kidding. I, I was I was I was uh, baiting you. I was baiting you. 
<laughs> dumb dumb. I, I I think the I, I think kill the poor. If if you're getting into if you're getting into the Dead Kennedys, strictly off of the albums and not like single releases, Kill mm-hmm. the Poor would theoretically be the first song you would hear from from this band. And and the the song starts off like very like deliberate and it's got this marching sound to it. It's got a cool bass lines, and then like the drums come in, right? The drum roll comes in and it kicks the song into the actual start of the song. Yeah, and 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 the Dead Kennedys kind of do that a lot, where where they go back and forth between like this marching sound, as if like they're kind of like like a, or, or like, like a military yeah. militaristic sound, yeah. Yeah, and that's all done intentionally to to kind of go along with what Jello's singing about, like his anti-war, anti-militarization, and anti-government style. But dude, it goes like, well with it. Just just knowing what the chorus is for the song. If you had never heard the song, and you're like, "Oh, this song's pretty good," and then the kill, kill, kill the poor comes in, you're like, "Wow, that is <laughs> that is a fucking catchy chorus. That yeah, is an is. unbelievably catchy chorus." And then you realize that the entire song is built around that chorus, right? The entire song is just essentially a crescendo into the chorus. Yeah. Because they knew that. It's so much fun to sing. Like, guilt, 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 guilt. Like, it sounds so dumb. It's so dumb, but it it, it fucking works so well. And like the way, and the way EBR riffs, but then he lets the last note ring out loud, like just kind of like ring, almost like yeah. it's a chord, but it, it, it's like a note or a chord or whatever it is. But it's like riff, 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 and then the, like the note, and it rings yeah. out a little bit. Like that's that's solid stuff. It's just it, there's there's so many nuances here to EBR's playing as well as Klaus. That is fantastic. It really is. It is fantastic, man. Ah, uh, this, this. Let's get into the lyrics a little bit, though. So kind of what what I what I think this song's about is just big corporations taking over poor neighborhoods like gentrification. This is essentially about gentrification of a, of a poor neighborhood and uh, and how they just don't care about the people, they just care about their own profits. So he 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 references the 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 neutron bomb which I never really knew what it was until I looked it up this week, but kind of like to put it in like simple terms, it's essentially a bomb that's focused more on the the disbursement of radiation to kill the people like behind like specialized armor and everything rather than the actual explosion itself. So there's still right. an explosion, but it's not as big as like a normal nuclear bomb. Right. So the idea is to kill the people, but not the actual infrastructure. Correct. Kill the people, but leave the buildings. Exactly. Because the buildings are worth more. To these corporations. Absolutely. And and I I feel like it's a it's the perfect use of of words you know executed by Jello he he just he has a way with words that I think in a political aspect are the best when it comes to music like I feel like what he does with this band is better than what for the most part is better than what Zach does with Rage Against the Machine oh I'm saying it I, I'm saying and I've I've stood by that for years I I think it's 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 different it's different. And and it, it's different because back in like you know this time back in the eighties it was it was more heinous to talk about killing the poor than it would be for Zach in the nineties. 
It was yeah, just, it was but, a different time, and that's why Tipper Gore was so popular in the eighties and the early nineties is because of this shit. Is because it was just a different time. Yeah, but I think I the message. So. I I think the message is there for both of them. It's just kind of conveyed differently. It is conveyed differently because with with the Kennedy, with Dead Kennedys, it's it's done more in a satirical fashion. And it just it calls out people for their bullshit. I feel more than Zach does. Like Zach uses more like metaphors, and he just kind of like hides behind that. Well, Zach but, is also very satirical. So like, just getting into the the satire realm because I did I did look into satire, and like what satire is and what that means. So there's kind of two forms of satire. There's 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 juvenilian satire, mm-hmm. and there's Horatian satire. Juvenilian satire, which you kind of probably could guess, is more juvenile. It's more, <laughs> it's more, it's it's more immature. Like, it's more direct and abrasive, right? It's more, it's yeah. more directed at somebody. Whereas Horatian satire is more playful, like like The Simpsons, like The Simpsons Horatian satire. They make okay. fun of things, but it's kind of in a funny way. It's it's a jokey, whatever it is. But Juvenilian is 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 more, it's more directed at somebody. You point the finger at somebody while you sing it. And that's mm-hmm. that's the Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys are juvenilian satire. They use things in a more direct approach, and it's it's, yeah. it's directed at somebody. But even though Rage Against Machine isn't isn't playful, they're they're kind of like Horatian in that they don't direct it at somebody. They direct it more at like ideas mm-hmm. and and things like that. Which is also another form of satire called the, the it's called Menepian. Manepian satire. Dang man, you got really into I that. Did, huh? I did, I did, I did, I did. Manepian satire, but that that's more focused on ideas as well, but more of like in a in a longer format, like a novel. Like if somebody wrote a novel, like a modest proposal, which we can get <laughs> back into the Dead Kennedys, but mm-hmm. like 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 Rage Against a Machine, they are a form of satire, but it's more but it's more like abstract ideas rather than <clears throat> The Dead Kennedy, who specifically call out people, or 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 policies. Jerry Brown, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, well, specifically Jerry Brown. We'll talk about later. Which yeah, we'll is talk so about that. So funny. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, those those are the those are the the forms of satire that I that I never saw. <laughs> <laughs> you went really into that one, but that that's essentially you know what Kill the Poor is. It's it's a good good satire of. Um, that side of the of politics and i don't know man i i think i like it i like the song a lot lyrically i think it's one of the stronger songs on this record because it's lyrically. so it's so it's so bad but it's so true right like because it's 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 kind of a joke song it, it's a joke song about how we solve problems by mm-hmm. eliminating those that are affected most by the problem yeah for instance i i saw someone someone post like if you have an ant problem at your house a normal person would just like you would remove the food, right? Like if the ants are going to, like like a left out Twinkie, you would just remove the Twinkie, and the ants mm-hmm. would go away. You don't leave the Twinkie and then spray the ants, because the fucking ants are going to come back. Yeah, exactly. You, you remove the Twinkie, and so when you kill the poor, you what you're doing is just spraying the ants. You're not you're not removing the problem. You're putting a band aid over the the effect rather than addressing the problem. And 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 killing the poor also goes back into like what I said earlier, a modest proposal, this this book that is basically about poor people 
who need money, so they sell their children to the rich people, and the rich people eat their children because there's no yeah. food. And that was that the modest a modest proposal was written back in the 1700s. Yeah. So it's like this whole idea is not a not a a modern thing, a modern idea, which I thought was really interesting, and it, it was a nice reference that Jello made in this song. This this predates everything that we know in modern times, which I think is is very important to note. Very very important to note, it's, and it still goes on to this day. It's so bizarre because he's so he's so smart. Hmm. But just like the way that his pacing of speech, like his his mannerisms, like everything about him is just very peculiar. And so just being like modern society, because somebody isn't because somebody doesn't present themselves as being normal, that automatically kind of diminishes what they're saying. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. And I think that's like what perfectly embodies Jello and like what perfectly embodies the dead Kennedys is like that's the problem. Because he's a mm-hmm. very, very smart man. Very he's very smart well man. spoken. Very well spoken. And it it sucks. A lot of people don't take him seriously because of how he portrays himself. It really sucks. Because he knows what the fuck he's talking about. But you see that with a lot, you know, with the whole PMRC trial, the whole obscenity trial. You got people like like Jello and D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. You know, two outrageous looking people. But they were very well-spoken and smart people. And nobody took them seriously until that trial. And then that trial, and then John Den- John Denver comes in, you know, the one guy who who you would never expect to be on this obscenity trial, but he is. And people were just so taken aback. Like, what the fuck is John Denver doing here? When everybody thinks he's so happy-go-lucky, but he has songs about marijuana and, and shit like that too. And that was all brought up in the trial. And that's essentially why, you know, they lost in a way. So I watched, I watched Jello's interviews he gave with Oprah mm-hmm. and it was, it was mostly Jello and Tipper Gore and they had various other people. At some point they had, uh, they had ice tea on there. They had Bob Guccione jr. The, the son of, of penthouse founder, Bob Guccione mm-hmm. and, and Bob Guccione jr. Found a spin magazine, which if it exists now, I'm sure it is trash. Spin's still around, yeah. But, but like the, the the biggest thing that I took away from that was was Tipper Gore saying, "I don't want to censor anybody. I just want, I just want to put a essentially, I just want to put a label on something to allow parents to know what their kids are listening to, which in theory is fine. Mm-hmm. Like in theory, that is fine. There, I, I have no that I mean, that's same with the like MPAA ratings for for movies. You you put an mm-hmm. R rating on it." You kind of know what you you're getting yourself which into, which I still think is wrong. I but think. but it, it's in itself a rating is nothing. It's it's what you put into that rating is the problem, and that was that was what Jello was saying. Is Jello was saying, like, listen, Tipper, if if you want to give us a rating, that's fine. If you want to if you want to tell people what is going on in our album, that's I don't really care. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is is you are going to take an inch, or no, we're going to give you an inch, and you're going to take a mile. At some point, all of all of the ex- explicit content are going to be behind the counter, to where mm-hmm. people aren't going to see it. People aren't going to think like, "Oh, well, I wonder what this is about," and so they're only going to buy. I don't know, mm-hmm. fucking. I can't even think of any album that wouldn't be considered explicit. 
Yeah, exactly. Because it's I all up to interpretation. Of, I literally can't think of any album that wouldn't be considered explicit. Yeah, because one thing that's offensive to another is not offensive to another person. And it's, so it all comes down that to bias. Subjectiveness. That is. That is. Yeah. That is the problem, and it's, and that's what Jello was saying. Is you can't like who who do you think you are? Like, are are you God? Are you that good to tell everybody on Earth that this is explicit and this is not? Like, which one is it? And Tipper Gore, like you could see her on the Oprah show, like she, you could see her just being flustered and flustered. Yeah, she has no rebuttal. And then he brought up a point, you know, dude, straight up. You can watch this on YouTube. I hate YouTube, but you can watch this on YouTube. Jello says, "You said this." She says, "I didn't say that." And he fucking pulls out a newspaper article <laughs> from his jacket, a, not not yeah. even like a snippet. He pulls out the newspaper. Right, like the full-on fucking two foot by two foot piece, opens it up and says, "Is this your? Is this you right here?" And points to it, and she says, "Well, I was probably taken out of context." And of course, Oprah j- fucking dives in and says, "Well, truthfully, so, you know, just because somebody quotes you doesn't mean that's that's what you actually said. That's what you actually meant. <laughs> Given whatever, that's fine. That's fine. But the fact that like Jello Dick did his research, pulled out a newspaper article for something Tipper yeah. Gore said." And then she was saying that she didn't say it. It's just, it's, it's so gross. It's so bad. And no, Tipper Gore didn't just want to put a parental advisory sticker just to allow She wanted parents. to ban it. Yeah, she wanted to fucking ban yeah. it. She wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of it. She wanted to put it behind counters so nobody could, so it couldn't see the light of day. Yep. And what, what makes it even worse was that she was the wife of, who eventually became the vice president of the United States. So she has a lot of power in censorship because that's government overreach and Jello and many other artists saw that coming who she was married to. She had the power and that was the reason why the PMRC became what it became because it had all the funding, it had all the clout, it had all of that. Uh, it was so, it, it, the, it was so corrupt. The entire thing was so fucking corrupt and fucked up and it was very thankfully corrupt. people fought back. And they, thankfully, people fought back. People call them the Washington wives because there was like four or five women at the time who wanted to do this. And all fi- all four or five of them had ties directly to like the upper echelon of politics. Tipper yes. Gore being, you know, obviously the vice president, Al Gore's wife. But there was there was there, the Treasury of Secretary wife was there. There was there was uh, council members wives that were there. So, like they're using their political clout to do this. And again, as we said in the previous pod, Jello was like his only thing was like, dude, stop censoring music, and just mm-hmm. talk to your fucking kids without saying yeah. the word fucking because he was very respectful and very yeah he was a very good even kind of quirky. A very good uh, interviewee, interviewee. Yeah. So he he just said, I, I I just don't understand like why you want to censor, because Oprah bought up the Beastie Boys, and a song from License to Ill where they talked about drinking and smoking and shit like that. And Jello's like, if you don't like it, why not just listen to it with your kids? Take an hour out of your day, listen to it with your kids, and then have a conversation. Exactly. And Tipper that, Gore had no rebuttal. It 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 would it would. You do uh, people doing that with their kids would mean so much more. It would it would it would lay out. It would just lay everything out in such a. It would mean so much more to a child than anything else. If you just tell them like the the good and bad or how you feel about things, it just means so much more to a child than anything else. It's crazy. 
I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I don't even know. Well, it, Just, it, 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 it correlates because going back into the Dead Kennedys, the whole obscenity trial with Jello Biafra and, and the label and everything, that's what spawned that PMRC action to kind of mm-hmm. think themselves bigger than they actually need to be. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk more about censorship and and the oppression of government and, and people in general. Well, we could, we could do it now. We could talk about the penis landscape now. We could, but that was on a different record. That was on the Frankenchrist sleeve. We can't, we can't not talk about that, though. True. I mean, we might as well get into it because we have more to talk about. So, yeah, let's get into that. So, the, the Frankenchrist was their second album. And uh, on the inner... Well, originally, Jello wanted uh, a... a, a photo or a painting or a picture that was done by H.R. Geiger, who was a very controversial artist uh, up until his death a few years ago. But essentially it was a bunch of penises going into kind of a vagina, but like in a robot weird. It's a very weird picture. And originally Jello wanted that on the cover of the Frankenchrist record, but Klaus and the other guys in the the band, but especially Klaus said, no, how am I going to show this to my parents? This is not right. So eventually they came up with an agreement that it would be on the inner sleeve as a poster of that record. And then eventually, you know, the album came out and, uh, and I, somebody in the PMRC, their daughter had bought the record and saw that that was a poster in the inner sleeve. And that's kind of like what set this entire thing off the whole, the whole debate and the entire lawsuit against the Dead Kennedys and, and and many other bands of that time, so that's kind of where that came from. And it's so, fucked over a piece of art. So th- so they don't go after H.R. Geiger; they go after the band. Well, not only you that, know. but they went after like the 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 company that pressed the records. Yeah, they went after like everybody, and 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 so like it was it was. The story goes is is a is a teenage girl. 14, 15 years old, bought it for her brother. Was then, that what it was? Yeah, and then when her brother opened it, the mom or dad saw it and freaked out and started calling pretty much everybody in government they could call to to forcefully get this like removed and and and, and that's how this whole shitstorm happened. But but yeah. the guy the, the like the guy himself, the the Geiger HR Geiger, yeah. The dude is like like I don't want to say a legend, but he's very well known and well respected in in mm-hmm. in like American lore. He not only designed and created like Alien, like Alien, the movie Alien, the movie, yeah, it was all him. Yeah. From from Egg to to the actual Alien, that was all him. Yep, he created everything about that, and he's created a bunch of stuff for other musicians and things like that, and. It's it's just it's art. Art isn't for everybody. And another thing Jello was saying is 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 if this is obscene and you want to censor this picture, then like why don't we censor like the statue of David? Why don't we censor like Roman architecture where it shows like male genitalia? Why don't mm-hmm. we censor that? Is that just because it's so old now it's okay? Uh, like uh, like who 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 is now an authority on whether or not we can censor something? And Tipper Gore still said, "I don't want to censor. I don't want to censor. I don't want to censor." She wants to she she wants to make parents aware, and like that is oh that was just like just watching it watching it on Oprah and and the only person like saying anything was Jello and also the, the Guccione the editor of Spin Magazine was also really pissed off. And it's like who. 
Like, why are we giving you the power? You solely, you, Tipper Gore, why, why do you have all the power to determine what is censored and what is not censored? Exactly. Exactly. Oh. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Also, H.R. Geiger, he, uh, he created the, uh, the famous uh, microphone stand that, uh, that Korn, your boy uses, Korn, right? Jonathan Davis from Corn uses, yeah. H.R. Geiger created and, uh, and made three microphone stands for Jonathan Davis back in 2000, 2001. And Jonathan Davis, he has three of them. One of them is here in the United States, and, the other, and one of them is also in Europe. So whenever the band tours Europe, he doesn't have to, to transport the one from the U.S. to Europe. He has one in storage over there, as well as the band has, like, they have a bunch of equipment in Europe that they use for European tours. So three of them were made, and Jonathan Davis uses uh, two of them. So consistently uses two of them and has for the last 20 years. So that's kind of cool. Look at that. Yeah. So handmade by H.R. Geiger. So that's pretty damn cool. And he calls it, and it's called The Bitch. H.R. Um, Geiger named it The Bitch uh, for for Jonathan Davis. So that's well, pretty rad. Jonathan Davis. Oh, so like H.R. Geiger likes to make things that are very biomechanical. And, yeah. And, and so Jonathan Davis, what I read briefly was he wanted something biomechanical, but also something kind of sexual. Yeah. And if you look at it, it is. <laughs> I don't, I don't look at a picture. Right? <laughs> oh, you didn't look at a picture? No. no. I probably should have. It's Just look it up right now. I mean, you'll look at it, and you could definitely tell it's it's a piece of art from H.R. Geiger. It's very much his style. If you look at, if you know anything about him, he has a very, very unique style. I mean, if you've seen the Alien movie, it, that's his style straight up. And um, But yeah, the, the microphone stand that Jonathan Davis uses is very, very unique. <laughs> You're looking at it right now? It's yeah. so stupid. It's so ugly. It's so ugly, but he's been using <laughs> it for the last like 20 years. This? Yeah, he, he helped develop it with That is with not Geiger. an attractive mic stand. That is terrible. That's kind of the point. That was kind of the point of the, of the whole thing. But like the alien itself, so like the mic faces, when, when it faces Jonathan Davis, where you're saying... The alien mic stand itself faces outward, but yeah. there's a little butt on it that faces Jonathan Davis. Yeah, and there's like the the boobs on it and everything, Dude, and then that it kind of so it goes down and forms ugly. the legs. Oh yeah, it's totally ugly, but that was the whole point of it. That was the entire point of it. It's just as tall as him too. Yeah, I know, and he uses it in every <laughs> performance, unless he like goes to Japan or like or Australia. Like he he uses it for almost every performance. All the music, all the corn music videos has <laughs> has the bitch there. Yeah, ever since two thousand two thousand one. Yeah, he introduced the the microphone stand on the uh, the Untouchables album. That was when he started using using that mic stand. Ah, that's during album. Untouchables. That's not the worst album, but you know. Damn. Yeah, I I even have an H.R. Geiger um one of his art books too. A friend of mine gave it. A friend of the pod, Heather Heather Baker great guitar player she uh, she had an extra art book of his and she gave it to me several years ago it's pretty interesting it's pretty cool he had a very kind of he has or you no know, he had right he's dead now yeah he he died a few years ago but he had kind of a shitty life like two of his wives or girlfriends one committed suicide one died and then he died of a fall like he fell down i think it was something like that yeah and then it became like a brain aneurysm or something yeah like just kind of a very shitty life and very underappreciated, I feel like. Yeah, I think he's from Switzerland too. He's he's Swiss. Yeah. There you go. I think he helped. Uh, I think he he contributed to like his own home's architecture as well. So his home was very much a part of his his style, which was kind of cool. 
that automatically just like yeah, makes my my conspiracy brain start turning and thinking like there's so many there's probably so many secret passages in his home that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Could be, could be. It's like the Vatican. Oh, the Vatican's a cool place, man. Cool place. All right, so what do you got? Uh, are we good with Kill the Poor? Should we move on to a different song? Yeah, right we now? can we can we can move on to Kill the Poor from Kill the Poor. What is, what is your favorite? What is your favorite song? My my biggest banger on here. My number one banger is Chemical Warfare. Okay. That's my my number one. I think it's one of the catchiest songs on the re- record. Um I like the the lyrics a lot a lot. They're goofy. They're they're very um they they essentially talk about, you know, him breaking into a government facility with a bunch of drones just guarding these giant missiles and him stealing some mustard gas and then taking it to a country club and dropping it on all the rich white guys at the country club and them all choking and dying from the mustard gas. And uh, that's kind of the story of the song, but I think it's, to me, it's one of the catchiest on the record. So I'm going to play a little bit of it, right? Sound good? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, whatever. Well, we'll we'll talk a bit more about it. So here's uh, Chemical Warfare from Dead Kennedys. that fade that's chemical warfare from the dead kennedys my favorite song off of this record so what else you got on this one jeff this one uh this one's a little surprising that you like so much because of that weird that weird circusy clown solo part really why because that's, cool. that's not your style you you just you don't you don't like those kind of but there's enough there outside a, of it. Technically, it is a breakdown. You don't like yeah. that type of breakdown, though. Yeah, but it, but it works well in this song. That down, 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 down. It's an it's like a weird. It doesn't really belong in the song, but it's still. It adds to the goofiness of the lyrics, and just I don't know. I I like it. It still works well. What 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 Jello does well is, is he's able to tell a story, that the reason for like this this whole you know the whole letting loose of chemicals is is based upon authority telling you no 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 don't do that it's going to turn bad and you're just like well, I don't give a fuck fuck you I'm going to do it anyway and then it mm-hmm. turns bad like that's yeah. what, that's what the song is and that that clown part is is you realizing like holy fuck this was a terrible mistake but then the ending is like <laughs> yeah 
Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like choking and dying. But, you, but you're still, you're still just like, eh, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Fuck it. Yeah. Like this song is a banger for me too. This is in my top three. It's great, man. It's, it's super, <laughs> super catchy. This is not the first and last song that Jello's done where he talked about doing something stupid for the sole purpose of just doing something stupid. Like there's no rhyme or reason mm-hmm. to it. You just do it because fuck it. Why not? Yeah. It's funny because my, my two favorite songs are probably the two songs that are are the goofiest lyrically, that do, that have the least amount to say. and uh, Stealing other people's mail, is that your other one? That's my second banger, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> another one. See, that's, okay, let's get into that one because that one's also a banger for me too. But I like, love it. Th- like, this is the punk sound that I usually think of when thinking about like punk origins. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. It's It's frantic. It's... It's almost sloppy. The solo's cool because it's it's just so dumb and simple. But mm-hmm. like but like but it's, like. it's the lyrics, it's the story. It's 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 the story just hey, we could be doing all of these other fun things, but let's let's just steal people's mail. Yeah, that's that's it for the song. It's just them <laughs> fucking around. It's just them doing something so so dumb. It's highly illegal, but it's so dumb. But, but it's, it, like it's also parents- like the commentary like Stealing somebody's mail is a federal offense, and it's kind of them. I feel it's kind of like Jello poking fun at you know this being a federal offense. Out of all the atrocities that the government commits, like you're gonna you're gonna treat people, you're gonna accuse people of something so horrendous for just stealing somebody's mail. So I think it's it's a it's a nice poke at, at just government overreach, but done in such a silly way, and it's just a couple guys just doing something so dumb in a song. But it is one of the catchiest. And it was the second, this song was the second Dead Kennedy song I ever heard. Police Truck was the first. And then, like I said earlier, how I got into it was a, was a mixtape or mix CD of Dead Kennedy's. And this is the first song on that mix, that mix CD was Stealing People's Mail. So it was my, my, introdu- my second introduction to the band. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I, a, it's a fucking banger of a song. It's so good. It's and very I, catchy. I, I love to hate it because it's like individually, there's nothing about this song that I think is great, <laughs> but together it makes a perfect song. It's like a, it's like almost like a, a also like a, a fun, a fun take on a clash song. Like it almost sounds like it could be a clash song. So it's almost like them making fun of them. Like we're going to the party. It's, it's just very kind of, it's a very bouncy song right from the get go. It's fantastic. I just like to think of, of, of somebody asking Jello, like, oh, so like, what inspired you to write Stealing People's Mail? And he, he would just say, like, well, like all of my friends at the time, they were going to parties, they were meeting like girls, and they were playing in bands. And like my friends and I were just were bored and we stole people's mail. Yeah. And you'd think, like, why the fuck would you do that? And it's like, why the <laughs> fuck would we do anything? Yeah, Who cares? It's a, very, it's, a, it's a throwaway song, but in the end, it's not really. Yeah, weird. no, exactly. It is, it is a throwaway song, but it's one of the most important lyrically mm-hmm. for the Dead Kennedys. I think so. so I'll, I'll, let me play a little bit of it. Here's uh, Stealing People's Mail. We ain't going to the party. We ain't going to the game. We ain't going to the dinner. Ain't going to cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. In the mouth. Right around, around. 
There you go, stealing people's mail from the dead Kennedys. <laughs> I love that that it's almost like a synth sound. I'm not sure if it is a synth or it's just EBR. That Dean and I, I can't even do it. It's, it's a weird EBR. sound. Yeah, but it's it has a lot of cool guitar parts and overall it's a rad song. Super rad it, song. Because I don't think I don't think they 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 use like synths and other instruments until the second album. Yeah, I think you're right. When they but it deeper. almost sounds like a synth. It does. Know. It's a cool song, man. But kind of just it, like we said, it's a throwaway song, but still really cool and it still means a lot. Yeah. Okay, what, so the, so what's what's another banger for you now that we're kind of done with stealing people's mail? Well, on a Friday night. Do you do you have time? Like like if this went on another two hours, would you be opposed, or do you want this to wrap it up in like thirty forty five minutes? Let's no, nah, I don't. I don't have two hours. Okay, so I okay. I won't talk about the over, the most overrated song on the uh, the album, but I I think I can guess what that is. California Uberalls. Oh, I was gonna say Holiday in Cambodia. No, Holiday in Cambodia is a perfect song. It's, <laughs> it's California no for way. sure. For sure is is the most overrated song on the album. California Uberalls is is not. I feel like that's a, that's one of the best songs, one of the better songs on this. No, it's 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 it's. It's all it's all content and no music. Oh my god, dude! That's California Uberalis is my fourth banger on this. That's okay. Well, that's wrong. That's so wrong. so okay. So so three is my third banger is Kill the Poor, which we already talked about. But yeah, Uberalis is my my fourth banger. But yeah, wait, what is what is your third banger? Or unless you want to get into Uberalis right now, it's up to you. No, we can. I mean, real quick, really, really fastly. Uh, I I do think it's funny that that Jello has, has hated Jerry Brown in the past, and then decades yeah. later he was able to hate Jerry Brown all over again. So that's mm-hmm. fun, right? He hated he hates the, the the fascist the fascist hippie Nazi Jerry Brown, but then he also hated like Reagan and pretty much anyone in, in power ever. So that's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy because I obviously Jerry Brown was our governor. For after Twice. Schwarzenegger, yeah, and and I remember obviously hearing Jerry Brown's name back when I was in high school because of this song, and just thinking you know, he's a really really shitty guy. And then I remember when after Schwarzenegger was was ending his his old governor govern was it governatorial is that how you say that gubernatorial gubernatorial yeah when he was ending his whole term and and hearing Jerry Brown again I'm like oh shit is this the son of of the the shitty Jerry Brown that that Dead Kennedy Dead Kennedy has always nope. talked about and I looked it up uh, back you know what was that 2010 or 2011 or 2012 whenever that was and uh, looking it up I'm like holy shit this guy's running for governor again <laughs> like this is like nope, 25 years or 20 guy. years later how is this even possible? Like, 
only only basing this off of you know what dead kennedy said in the song like thinking like how's this guy even able to run again 20 years later and how the fuck old is this motherfucker and sure enough he's super fucking old and he won again he won again 20 years fucking later yeah how is this even possible and i don't get it jerry brown back then and then experiencing what he did to california 10 years ago just how is this even possible not not to say that you know gray davis was good or schwarzenegger was good rolling blackouts and especially you know who we have now gavin newsom in california he's just i mean it's all been bad it's all been bad it's unbelievable at least at least arnold schwarzenegger like like what like when you elect arnold schwarzenegger as your governor there's yeah. not there's not expectations that he's going to change the world true right like very you, true you just elected commando you just elected like the dude from the predator as your governor like what's the <laughs> worst that could happen and you know it wasn't that bad no i mean at a, i mean my my experience from as far back as i can remember like gray davis was the earliest that i started paying attention to but you remember enron and you remember sitting in middle school where there were yeah. rolling blackouts remember the true. rolling blackouts yeah, i do yeah because yeah, gray davis was a fucking cuck and yeah. he was had by Enron, and some of those guys are in prison for the rest of their lives because of it. True. But remember sitting in like May and June in like middle school, and it was fucking 100 degrees, and we had to open <laughs> the doors because there was no power? Yeah, I do remember that. Jesus. Yeah, that was, it's crazy to even think about that that, that was happening. Uh, but, but thinking back to like Schwarzenegger was the best out of all of them since Gray Davis. Yeah. You know, like from, from Gray Davis until now, Schwarzenegger was the best. And that's not saying a lot because Schwarzenegger was not good. There were little expectations. Yeah. Because he's an actor. That's true. It's true. It's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Like how good could he be? But also how bad could he possibly be? Yeah. But Jerry Brown was pretty awful and it's just so shocking that he was reelected. Oh God damn. (laughs) He's, it's so bad. I just, I, I don't think I've ever liked a politician though, to be fair, to be fair. To be yeah, to be yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever. Barack liked Obama was I bad. Like this guy. Yeah, they've all been bad. <laughs> yeah, Obama was bad. Trump's all been worse. Bad. Like, there's. I don't think I've ever liked any politician. Honestly, though, I think I to this day I will say I still like Bush. I I I prefer Trump over Bush. Oof. I will say. Oof. It's controversial, but I I'm I, but also but also I'm basing this off of foreign policy. You need to cancel, dude. You better be careful. A, a lot of a lot of what I mean, Trump is obviously a horrible, horrible person in every in in every aspect. But foreign, I mean, foreign policy wise and and war wise, you know, Bush was worse. How Bush handled nine eleven was worse than a lot of what Trump's doing now. That's just plain and simple. That's just plain and simple. It's awful. Woof. They're all fucking. They're all they're all pretty equally bad. They're all pretty equally bad. <laughs> uh, Trump is such an idiot too. It, it's just shocking how much of an idiot he is. But it anyway, should, it should be like written to our constitution that you cannot run for president if you make more than like fifty percent of like the 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 national average average of 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 like salary. Yeah. So if that's like sixty thousand, you you shouldn't be making three hundred thousand and run for president. That's just you have no you have no idea what it's like. Yeah, no, you're right. 
You're right, man. But anyway, do we want to talk about Uberalis, California Uberalis anymore? No, not at all. I, I think it's overrated song and it's boring. You're crazy. I I, I will I do want to say too, the the song is very. It still holds true to this day. The the meaning behind the song still holds true to this day. We we treat California like like it's the greatest thing on earth, just like we did back in the late seventies when oh. Jerry Brown was was governor back then. I mean. It is. I mean, take out like the government of it, like California. There's 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 like a handful of places on Earth that have weather like California. Yeah, but that's about it. Weather and environment wise, for the most part, it's it's one of the best places in the United States. But that's what draws humans to 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 relocate is weather. Like we don't. Yeah, but then if you think about it, nobody enjoys it. Nobody really enjoys the fruits of it because we're stuck living here like in that's that's a government aspect in society wise yeah that's what yeah yeah like like taking out the government aspect of california i would i would never have left yeah you're probably right yeah you're probably right i wouldn't want to leave but the only reason that that i want to leave is because it sucks living here financially it's all financial finances and and it's kind of ironic too that that jello Given his his stature in San Francisco lore, mm-hmm. that Frisco is now one of the top places like in the world as far as like rent gouging. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> an awful. And place the fucker to live. still lives there too. Fucker still lives in San Francisco. It's crazy. Well, we can. I mean, maybe we can get into to Jell a little bit. Yeah, we can get more into him. I got some. Yeah, I got some, I got some notes here. I got some notes. Since we brought up San Francisco, he did run for mayor of San Francisco. Yeah, back in '79. So, so here, here, here's what I got. So there's some there's some really funny, <laughs> fun political things about Jello and his entire running for mayor campaign. So he ran for mayor, like you said, in '79. He came in like third or fourth, mm-hmm. which is which sounds like eh, that's not that good. But considering who he's running against, that's pretty fucking good. His campaign slogan was "There's always room for Jello." <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but he ran against Diane Fucking Feinstein. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this fucking lady <laughs> since 1970 fucking nine has been making a ton of money off of me. Well, not anymore because I don't live in California. But has make has been making a ton of fucking money off of taxpayers in California. How? Yeah. Irritating. Uh, I know she's awful. Annoying. I know. I didn't. I didn't also know until this week that she was the one that found. Um, uh, oh my God! Not Harvey Milk. What did she find? Harvey Milk in his office dead, or was it the other guy that uh, was assassinated? Marscone, Mar Marconi, Mar- yeah, Marsconi? the the governor. Yeah, or the mayor, not the governor, the mayor. The mayor. She found one of them. One of them dead. Um, after the assassination, because they were both assassinated. That whole story, I I didn't really know the whole story until this week when I was reading more into it. And it's fucked. Yeah, like I've I've always known like about you know the the gay rights rallies and all that that kind of stuff back in the sixties and seventies, but I never never knew the truth the whole story about Harvey Milk and all that. And it's crazy. Like the guy was great, and he 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 was doing a lot of good for the community, and it's just it's so tragic that assassination and everything and. 
So I didn't know a lot of that until this week. I, I, I agree. I, I want I want to talk about that with the album art itself. Yeah. Rather than that's why I was reading about it. Jello. But here okay, so like when Jello when Jello like released his platform, some of the planks on that platform were were as follows. You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh he wanted to require businessmen and and, and politicians to wear clown suits within the city <laughs> limits. Yes. Which, you know, I in theory that's that's fine. I get it. That's kind of what we already do anyway. Because they we work, wear uniforms. They work for us. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to hold elections in which police would be voted into office by the neighborhoods they patrolled. Which not a bad idea. Which in now, like, what is going on with today? Like, that's not a fucking bad idea. That's that's kind of revolutionary. Yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. That was forty years ago. <laughs> Uh, he wanted to tear down Pier 39, whatever the fuck that was. He wanted to legalize squatting in vacant tax-delinquent buildings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So giving a place to to for the poor rather than just kill them, as he said earlier in his album. Or relocate them. Uh, he wanted to, to... He wanted... Paying the unemployed to panhandle in wealthy neighborhoods. So essentially, he wanted to have homeless people panhandle in Diane Feinstein's neighborhood <laughs> because one of the biggest things was was during the campaign Diane Feinstein one of her 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 I don't know her pieces was it showed her sweeping the streets <laughs> right she was sweeping the streets helping clean up the streets of Frisco so what did Jello do he fucking oh, took a so vacuum good. and he went to Diane Feinstein's house and he was vacuum vacuuming up the leaves on her lawn <laughs> just to show how fucking stupid it was. Yeah. How it, dumb what she did was. But then she still stayed in office until, well, today, so. Yeah, she's still, yeah, still um, there. He wanted to ban cars. Ban all cars <laughs> citywide. Just get, get rid of all the fucking cars. <laughs> but realistically, that's that's so that's so ahead of his time, right? Yeah. Like, why and can't if, you ban all cars? Why can't you increase public transportation, bicycles, scooters, the, the streetcar, taxis, Ubers, whatever it is? Why can't you ban all cars? Well, see, that that's what I like about that was that he it was a good throwback and a good commentary on on the city of San Francisco and the unions of San Francisco, because if you go back to like, the, I think it was the 1910s or the 1920s, San Francisco had it was the number one spot for public public transportation and there essentially were not any cars in San Francisco back then but the taxi unions and many other unions of the time they said you know fuck that we need we want to make money the corporations want to make money back then so they they essentially destroyed all public transportation and they destroyed streetcars and all that kind of stuff back then in favor of the taxi unions and also the other big unions of the solid time. solid and you're on the right track that, but it was Los Angeles was it LA? I could have sworn there's, it was San Francisco. There's an entire underground subway system in Los Angeles that is unusable. That is unused. But I could but I think it was the same idea in San Francisco. I think well, it was Frisco the same thing. Well, Frisco has the the BART, right? Like they had the BART, yeah, they have, the, the the public transportation whatever that stands for. They have the BART, which would Jello be offer also instead of going like door to door, he went like train to train from on the BART. Yeah. Trying to like get people to vote for him, which like to be honest, I don't understand how he didn't win. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand how he didn't fucking win. Well, I mean, it's politics for you. It's not 
You don't win by popular vote. What it comes down to. That is true. Even even in the smaller sections like like that, you it's not really by popular vote. But wait, there's it's more. all lobbying. <laughs> okay. So go. the last the last thing and my favorite thing that he wanted to do, which like dates back to just like the dawn of civilization. He wanted mm-hmm. to erect a statue of Dan White, <laughs> who we talked about, who assassinated yeah. former mayor George Moscone mm-hmm. and the supervisor Harvey Milk. He wanted to erect a statue of that and then have the parks department sell, not give away, but sell eggs, stones, tomatoes, to which people could pelt the statue with. <laughs> to pelt it's the so statue. medieval. It is. But it but it would be so it, it's such a good a good statement but, on, but on like, that shit. But because it never happened, I mean, I, I guess it's it's partly my fault too for not doing more research on it. But because it never happened, I I, I would never have realized that when I've because I've been to Frisco three times, all mm-hmm. three times I've hated it. But I've been to the Moscone. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying it right. The Moscone Moscone. Uh, go with Moscone Convention Center. Mm-hmm. And that's where like the place and experience was, and it's this huge convention center. It's fucking nice. It's like right in the middle of this bustling area of downtown San Francisco. But I never realized it was it was named after a person who was just kind of like doing his job and shot to death by Dan White, who yeah. later got like fucking four years in prison for the assassination of two people. All because he wanted his chair back on on this what was it on like the the council he wanted his chair back on the council because he left and this Moscone or somebody took it over and so he was so mad that he couldn't get it back after like a week that he went and assassinated it assassinated both of those but him. there were also other reasons but that was that was like the trigger point and that's that's that's, that's insane and and that that also like well, we can transition into the album art right the album art of of the cover i think but also he was only charged for what was like third degree like he only he only served like seven years in prison i I think it was less than that i I think like the whole reason why the white riots started was because of the fact that this the white night riots yeah the white night riots this dude he he didn't mur- he assassinated two fucking yeah. people like he preemptively Execution thought about style. this yeah he walked into he knew he knew where they were going to be and he killed them he killed two people in cold blood and got mm-hmm. like five years yep crazy that's insane and then just reading and like and i this week too i also read about like how san francisco became like the the capital of the gay community did you read about that like it, how it dated back to the gold rush did you read any of that? A little, a, a little bit. I mean, I, like it was to me, it was really fascinating because just to like briefly go through it, like the the gay community started in San Francisco in the gold rush because an influx of men came over for that to to find gold, okay. and because there there weren't enough, there weren't like really any women there. They kind of like made it a community like you know we need to get our rocks off, so we might as well just do it and just just to do it, you know, because there, there was no feelings behind it. It was just like, we need to get off. And that's kind of how it started during the gold rush. And then, you know, eventually people started to come and that's how kind of the gay community started was through that. And it just became the hotspot. And then also because it was also a, like a Navy, a Navy base. So a lot of people in the Navy were coming here and they were doing that as well. It was kind of like the same idea. There weren't a lot of women around, so they kind of 
got each other off. And that's kind of how it started. And that's how it expanded over the years, over the decades. That's how it started. That's how it came to be what it is now. Well, it's kind of into the seventies. I mean, that's interesting and also kind of sad at the same time, because like the Navy base thing where people would come and dock at San Francisco and then do their debauchery and then go back to their quote unquote normal lives yeah, where they couldn't be themselves. That's kind of, that's kind of sad, but at least San Francisco again, musically too, it's kind of like the stomping ground of so many different, like like we talked about Santana a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and like Gilman Street, which is not Frisco but close enough. Yeah, like that that Bay Area has just been such a melting pot of fantastic music and culture, but mm-hmm. now it is just this this overly corporate entity, Silicon Valley. This is gross. It's like Silicon Valley took that over and just. It's bad. It sucks, man. Big, big conglomerates, corporations, and everything have taken over that area. I mean, it started in the 60s and 70s, but it's just, it's to the point where it's just, it's outrageous. My favorite baseball stadium, AT&T Park, man. Where the Giants play? Where the Giants play. That's my or favorite. Oakland A's that's, play. My, <laughs> that's an Oakland. <laughs> I've been to, I know. yeah, we've we both been to that stadium too. And no. Yeah. It's no, such no, a shit no. stadium. It is. Uh, but anyway, do you want to talk about Jello's presidential run as well? Because he did run for president in two thousand. Yeah, yeah I mean, we could we could briefly touch upon that. It wasn't it wasn't like his mayoral run. No, but he wasn't he nearly as successful. He did do it. He did. He ran. He ran. Uh, he was represented in the Green Party. Ran against Ralph Nader, and Ralph Nader destroyed him. Yeah, of course. Ralph uh, Nader is obviously. like the only person ever to run for the Green Party nomination. Yeah. And then uh, Jello did support Ralph Nader in that election. Uh, also, his next two elections, I think 2004 and 08, he ran as well. So he's, Jello supported Ralph Nader. Uh, did not he supported Barack Obama at first, but then realized he was just an extension of President Bush, which is absolutely true. Yeah. And a lot of people don't talk about that, even though they should, because Obama was a pretty awful person. Uh, but he did he did do some good things. But overall, he was not very good. Uh, and then at the 2012 campaign, Jello realizing that definitely did not support Obama and actually, you know, was a, was out was an outspoken person against Obama. But then for some reason, he ran with uh, Bernie Sanders in 2016, which I don't understand at all. But, you know, what are you going to do? People like Bernie, man. Can't win them all. People. <laughs> they do, a, and I just a don't lot of get it, man. a lot of friends of the it. pod like Bernie, and <laughs> I do not get it, man. I don't get I it don't either. Get it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, people it, people like Bernie. It's kind of interesting too. Like I, I read that Jello's political stance, he was very much an anarchist throughout the '80s, but throughout the years, especially in more recent times, he's kind of gone into the more socialist aspect of of the political spectrum which i think is so it's it it just doesn't make sense going from the anarchist ideals to to the socialist ideas more or more socialist based ideas it's kind of backwards i mean he's very he's very pro-tax which is surprising too he says i'm very pro-tax as long as it goes to what it needs to go to right but i mean him saying that is just like then you're kind of going against everything you're saying because you know that your taxes aren't going to go toward those things like you can fight for it as much as you want, but it's not going to go toward the right things. It never has, and it never will. Uh, well, that's At because we don't we don't want it to. We, we don't allow it to. We don't want it to, and, and that's 
as, as, yeah. that's just that's just how we are set up as a country, as a as a republic, and, yeah, and fake democracy. But I mean, socialism—that's at some point everybody kind of advocates for socialism. Right? Yeah, I mean, or, we all we're in it. I mean, parts of our society are socialist is socialistic. Yeah, is that, is that the right way we're, to say? We're it? paying for it. Yeah, I don't know if we have it, but. I mean, socialists. I, I feel like, like, uh, like, like the means of production, like, like the big mm-hmm. things should be owned or operated by the community, which is mm-hmm. not what's happening. No, but we are kind of paying for that in in a sense. Oh boy, uh, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. What are we talking about here? We're talking about, we're talking about fresh fruit for rotten, veg- we rotten about? vegetables. We were talking about the album art. Yeah, but we 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 touched upon the White Knight riots, and that was sparked from the assassination of Harvey Milk and uh, Muscone. There was a Dan Muscone. Yeah, Dan Muscone. Yeah, so that that's and the the picture is a picture of of a line of police cars lit on fire, and it was it was a famous picture taken of those White Knight riots in 1979, or I think it was 79 or 78 by Judith Carlson. Yeah, and and the White Knight riots had happened right before this album came out. Like it was not even a year before this album came out, I think. And so it was a fresh picture uh, for for the for an album art for album artwork. But it's it's a famous piece of art, a famous picture, I should say. I guess I, you can call it a piece of art. I also read multiple things that said that the people of Frisco, I, I guess, if you like talk to people that have been there for decades and decades. If you talk to them, like who, like who do you hate the most out of like Frisco lore? They all, they would all say like that that Dan guy, Dan, Dan White, mm-hmm. even over Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. <laughs> That's crazy, right? So it's just, it's just crazy to think that even though Richard Ramirez did so many heinous things, so many unspeakable things, Dan White's legacy still lasts today, and that's yeah. why people hate him more. But if you think about it, without that assassination, you know, civil rights for the gay community probably wouldn't have happened the way they happened without that, if that makes sense. Like, we wouldn't, you wouldn't have had those, the white night riots or protests without that assassination. It's just like, you wouldn't have had the the civil rights movement of 69 without, or was it 68 or 69, without MLK's assassination. It's true. You, you, you know, know, it's 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 such it's it's small it's small things kind of like in the scope of, of all humanity yeah. that seem like they don't really like who gives a fuck? But they spawn other things that eventually turn into big things. And like Blink One A two says, it's all the small things. Oh my god. Right? It's it's, it's all the small <laughs> things. True. It's true. From well-known rock band Blink-182. Yeah. Who would have known that Tom DeLonge was such a deep thinker and his lyrics would, uh, and that song would, would mean so much. Yeah. Truth brings. Sure. You're right. All right. So what's another banger for you on, uh, cause yeah, we, well, let we me, really went off the rails on California Uber. Let this. me get into what I thought was, was very reminiscent of, um, of the Vandals. Okay. I think I said earlier that there was there was a song that I thought was very reminiscent of the Vandals. Well, then you know, you know let's 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 get into Viva Las Vegas first. Okay, oh, let's God. get that out of the way. 
Okay, yeah. I, I kind of didn't even want to talk about this. <laughs> wow. So this is like the only Elvis song that I like to listen to. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, like this song is funny because... Because Elvis didn't write it? Well, not only that, but... Elvis, who is notorious just for 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 abusing like methamphetamines and and other drugs, mm-hmm. right? And then and then Vegas at the time, who was who? Let's say who, like it was a person, but Vegas was 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 notorious for also letting you abuse all that stuff, which kind of led term to what happens in the Vegas stays in Vegas. So "Viva Las Vegas" itself is a very catchy song. It's a very fun song. It's mm-hmm. straightforward. There's not a real chorus except for the Viva Las Vegas part. Yeah. It's, it's set up, whereas that line is just the ending to each verse, which is cool, which is fun. But the Dead Kennedys, after listening to this and then listening to their subsequent albums and all the other covers they've done, they are a fucking fantastic cover band. Only bested by me first in the Gimme Gimme. Like, literally, the Dead Kennedys are fucking fantastic (laughs) at doing covers. Rawhide, Viva Las Vegas. Like, they are so good at doing covers. And I think it's because they keep the spirit alive, and especially in this song, like the guitar, EBR, he keeps that feeling alive, but also kind of gives it that obnoxious edge that the Kennedys mm-hmm. have because in the Viva Las Vegas, uh, the song that Elvis does, that twangy guitar is kind of in the background because Elvis is always in the front, always, no matter what. Yeah. But in this song, EBR kind of shares the stage with, uh, with Jello there. And that, yeah. that, that twangy guitar, that obnoxious guitar, that's kind of sharing the stage there. And then some of the lyrics are altered to actually reflect like Elvis's actual lifestyle the mm-hmm. Vegas lifestyle and just like what's what's going on in general in the eighties. Dig it. You're right. Fantastic cover. A perfect cover. It is it is a good cover, but it's their weakest song on the record. Well, it's 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 the outro. I mean, song, I understand. And I'm not, I'm yeah, not mad about it at all. I'm not mad about it, but it is their their least favorite. And I just I don't like talking about Elvis. He's such a hack. Elvis and Bob Dylan, the the two most overrated <laughs> artists of all time. I stand by it. And, o- and Oasis. And Oasis. The top three, Damn, the top three biggest to, artists, even, overrated artists. Okay, so like I had, you had me at Elvis. You had me at Oasis. But throwing in Bob Dylan there. I, just, I, just, I don't get Bob Dylan, yet. man. I'm not there yet. You'll get there. You'll get there someday. Maybe you'll get there someday. <laughs> you no, I mean? you, you, you've been blinded by, okay. by all the bullshit of life. To all think right. that Bob Dylan is that great. Overrated, man. Overrated. Oh, right, man. Okay, what, what's another banger for you on here? Um, I, I think, got? I mean, Holiday in Cambodia. Really? You like it that much? I like the song a lot, but you like it that much, huh? I, I, I think it's a fantastic fucking song. I think it's a perfect song. Real quickly, the Foo Fighters did a cover of the song with Serge from uh, System of a Down. Uh-huh. So good. Oh, yes. So good. Because, yes. Because the Foo Fighters and Dave, they just they held back. They let Serge do his thing, and he's he's one of the few musicians that can kind of really replicate the eccentric nature of Jello. Well, yeah, they both have that that high, whiny tone to their voices. But the song, but like this song, is is, is essentially just making fun of people who think that just because they read a book, or just because they go to college for a couple of years, they know what it's like to to to. I don't know, to be somebody who has been oppressed 
for centuries, yeah. for thousands of years, or whatever it is. And so the song Holiday in Cambodia is like, hey, I know you you think you know what's going on, but why don't you spend an actual holiday? Why don't you spend a week in Cambodia and see what's actually going on, which yeah, nobody which ever at, does. Which at this time, Cambodia had just, they were hit the hardest in the Vietnam War. There were more deaths in Cambodia than, than anywhere else during that war. And they were one of the most oppressed parts of of the war. So I, this is a true, a true, like, uh, what am I trying to say? It's this speaks it. so much of of this time, and and this song even relates to everything going on in, in in our time now because we have everybody, you know, we have people who are nineteen, twenty years old who think they know everything, and who talk constantly about oppression and talk about you know the plight of everybody else. But they don't know. They they weren't they weren't there, and they try to they try to empathize. But then they take it to the extreme, and they believe themselves better than everybody else. They get on their soapbox, and they virtue signal to everybody else. So this song holds true then, just as much as it does now, or holds true now as much as it did back then. I should say, this song talks about the virtue signalers and the people. Yes, who, it's everything we're seeing. That's now. like the perfect it, word or the perfect phrase. Is is this song is is an ode to the virtue signalers? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And and Jello makes fun of the, those people for that, you know. It's just, I don't know. Those annoying people. Not to say that they they have the right the right mindset. They they have the right idea, but the way that they portray it and the way they they talk about it is can be really obnoxious at times. But yeah, there you go. It's holiday in Cambodia. Should I play it? Or I mean, we've I've we've been played like no, okay, that's fine. Whatever you want, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Or do you want to play another song? Because there, there are other songs we could play. Okay, well, I mean, so like that's. I think that's that is a. I have a ton of notes on it. That's fine. Or what do you want to do? We could talk about it more. I'm fine with that. But so so Klaus, we haven't talked about him too much. Yeah, Klaus Floride, who spells fluoride incorrectly on purpose, which is funny in itself. But he's a fucking good bass player. Yeah, he is. Like he's a fantastic bass player. He does a lot of chords. With the bass, he does a lot of uh, uh, scales with the bass that are that are great. But the intro to Holiday in Cambodia, it's so eclectic. It's it's so weird. It packs so much like weird atmospherics into it. Mm-hmm. And the drums come in; they're very subtle. They're very classy. And then Klaus has a, like that killer bass line, and it's kind of like it seems like it's basic, but there's there's more notes to it than it has any right to have, mm-hmm. and it's it damn still good. Works. Yeah, it doesn't sound like show-offy or or flashy or anything like that. Damn good. It still plays the song well. Yeah, you're right, man. But again, like this 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 song has some serious surf rock sounds to it. The guitar tone is is totes Dick Dale. Oh yeah, and I just most of it most of it's Dick Dale. Sounding. It's just it's so fucking funny how EBR like refuses to acknowledge that the Dead Kennys are just a really good punk surf rock band mm-hmm. yeah it's so <laughs> bizarre it's so weird that he doesn't because doesn't because they are that they're like yeah. the best at it they like like the beach boys have the surf rock down to a t but then the dead kenny just made it a little bit better but made it way better that. made well, it way a little better. bit better way better beach boys are better than the beatles and dead kenny's a no, little bit better dude, than the shut beach the fuck boys. up get out of here oh Truth. god you're nuts you're Truth, nuts homie, did you listen 
did you listen at all to Klaus's first solo album, like the Cha Cha for Cha-cha. Floride or something no. like that? No. Nah. It's like it's not what I expected. I expected like I I don't know what I expected, but it's it's just like straight up noise, just noise, experimental and noise music. Not what I I, I expected like more of like a punk sound or something like that. But it, there's nothing like that. It's all electronic, and that's kind of like what he focused on outside of Dead Kennedys was just noise music, super weird. But I guess that's if it's what he enjoys. It's what he enjoys. Okay. Uh, what else you want to get into? What else you got? You're more you're you're more new to this than I am. Okay, so I, I like um, to hear this. Ill in the head. I think that's mm-hmm. that's another banger. This is this is the only song on the album that I thought had elements to it that were not just straightforward dead kennedy sound this one had that prog rock sound to it there were prog rock elements super cool riffage Mm -hmm. and and the songs that were written by carlos or or 60 25 they're still like tragic in nature right they're not not just like lyrically but musically because this this one also was at least co-written by by carlos or 60 25 who, who? The more I looked into him, the more I did not see. But what I did see was, was I guess he was. At, people say he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, unsubstantiated by him, so I don't know for sure. But there's not a lot of info about him. And then I remember I, I, I shared a, an article, and and at some point, his house was burned in the Santa Barbara fires. But then you brought up the point anyway, like. How the fuck did they even know that was him? Yeah, it was some like little news article from 2017, and for, I don't even know what it was. What article? What web? It was some weird website talking about it, and they said, "Oh, you, Carlos Cadona, formerly of the the popular punk band Dead the Dead Kennedys, his house is burned down, and here's a little like, but like couple li- couple quotes from him and it was pretty generic quotes you know saying he lost some some vintage gear but that was pretty much it but it's just like if this guy's been off the map for 30 years or 25 30 yeah, years how would you know that's him yeah and why would this guy who's been gone for this long why would he openly say oh yeah i played in the dead kennedys like what prompted did this guy to tell this this journalist that he played in the the dead kennedys or how did this journalist know that this obscure musician was from the Dead Kennedys when the guy played on played on two songs and co-wrote two songs off of their first record. Yeah, very. It's very, super weird. Very bizarre. Very suspect. Yeah. But so if it's fun. true, it's super weird. Yeah, it's it's an interesting little tidbit that the guy f- fell off the face of the earth in 1980 or 1979. But that song after being Ill- only in the band for eight months. But that song "Ill in the Head." Solid. It mm-hmm. has like a little breakdown that almost turns into like this weird ska reggae sound mm-hmm. during the bridge part, but doesn't lose its 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 identity. Yeah, it's it, a very it it's this very weird song too. Like it's all over the place. But this, all over the place. this song above all other songs in their entire discography, Klaus and EBR are so connected. They're so perfect. They go together so well. Mm-hmm. It's better in this song than I've heard in the entire discography. Uh, I don't Absolute know about that. Perfect. Let me play. Let me play a little bit of "Ill in the Head," and we'll 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 make the proper judgment on that. So here here it is by Dick Kennedy's. 
I mean, it is pretty rad, but to say it's the best, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't you, agree. Usually, they're both they're both kind of doing. I don't want to say their own thing, but they're both they're both kind of shining in their own way. But this is this was the best time they've ever really worked off each other. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. It, it really is. They they I don't know. It, it is cool, but I don't want to say it's the best. It's the best. It's cool though. It's fact, and it's it's interesting that the two songs that that Carlos played on and co-wrote, "The Forward to Death" and "Ill in the Head," they're probably the most personal lyrics on the entire record. They they do straight up seem like it. They come up. They come from a guy who who's depressed or maybe schizophrenic or has some sort of mental mental issues, and that's the only time on this this entire record that you hear that. Maybe like your emotions. But even that, that song doesn't. It's not nearly as deep and personal as the two with that Carlos Go wrote. It's a banger, though. Your emotions. It is. It's really good. It's very, very good. Um, I like the song "Drug Me" a lot. That song's really cool too. That was that, one of the the first songs I heard from the Dead Kennedys as well. That one's okay. <laughs> I, I put that one as an okay song. It's fun. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's it's just Jello making fun of everyone in their own unique drug and. He sings so fast, like you know what he says, like he's on drugs, like I get it, it's funny, uh it's cool. It's fine. I mean it's just it's it, yeah, it's him making fun of, you know, how we, we just our drug can be anything. It could be literal drugs or it could be the T V or or anything that we're just told to like. We use that as a drug and I thought it was interesting. I thought it was good. And it's very frantic. It's a very, very frantic song and, and I like how that coincides with the lyrics, just the like you're on, you're totally fucked up and high and just running around. Like it just sounds like you're running in circles. The song sounds like you're running in circles. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm gonna play a little bit of it because okay. it's, it's so good. You it's so it. good. I love. I love practice. it. It's my number five banger. My number five banger. <laughs> Drug me from Dick. <laughs> Oh, dude, how can you not like this song? How can you say this song is just okay? It's okay. It's just it's it's just fast. I mean, there's it's pure energy. Everything is pure energy in that. But they have oh, other songs it. that are pure energy that that are presented in a a better fashion. This song is just, a, it's just it's just fast and, and aggressive and sloppy. I love it. I love it for that reason. This is this is like literally just your stereotypical punk song. Like no, when, it's like not. when Boxcar Racer did their punk song. Like this Dude, is no. it, and that's why you no, like no, it no, because no. it's just, you're nuts. It's fine. You're nuts. It's fine. You no, dig, you're nuts, man. You gotta dig deeper. You gotta dig deeper. You'll you're get nuts. there. You'll get there. You get there. All right. What else you got, or do you want to wrap it up? What do you want to do here? It's up to you. I mean, I, I, 
I I don't have that many minor notes, but um, I mean, because like uh, so a lot of the other songs talk about you know the the anti-war sentiment, like when you get drafted is very anti-war and how the government constantly puts us at war. So I feel like the lyrics are just very much more about that throughout the rest of the album. You know, because we we talked about the silliness, the silly songs like stealing people's mail and what was the other one? Uh, fuck, man, what was the other one? Uh, that w- that was a joke song. Oh my god, why am I totally drawing a blank? Because I think like I oh, killed- Chemical Warfare Two oh, was okay. kind of like that. I Kill Children's also a joke song. Yeah, that's a joke one as well. So I mean, yeah, there's a few of the like the joke songs are the songs not to be taken too seriously. Or even Funland at the beach. Funland at the beach. That one was kind of like a goofy song too. Yeah, that was that was just like essentially tearing apart what we thought the '60s Americana boardwalk should be in a snotty way. Yeah. And the lyrics are kind of brutal too. There's one lyric cuz it, it talks about like he talks about like the roller coaster going off the rail and just hitting people and killing a bunch of people. And then at the end I think it's the end of the first verse, he just oh no, yeah, the end of the first verse he says through the crowded haunted house below this is talking about the roller coaster. It says ran a turn and then smashed right down through the crowded haunted house below. Oh no, human hamburger. No just the the human hamburger part is just it's brutal and then and and it's crushed little kids crushed little kids crushed little kids adorn the boardwalk the boardwalk fuck man paints a pretty pretty gnarly picture in that song i mean it's, it's it's just it's just like a like a like a a young person's attempt to at at shock value at at, at shock warfare yeah in in the same yeah. way that i kill children was it's at the time, it was yeah, probably so. insane. Right. I mean, at the time, it was probably like crazy, but it's lost a lot of meaning now. But given the context of the album, like I get it, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Generally. We've also become desensitized. He tried. He he just he tried really hard to shock people, and at, at sometimes at the expense of the music. Uh, God, you're so critical, so critical sometimes. Oh, okay, fine. You know what? Fine. I, I will give this a Tyler rating. A Tyler rating is this is a perfect album. It's just three out of three. Whoa. They're so good. Dead Kennedy. Oh, no, no. Uh, wrap, up, wrap up your. No, no, no. G- give your final thoughts then. Give your final thoughts. I want to know your final, final thoughts. My final thoughts are this album is amazing. Everything is perfect about it. It's a perfect three. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, let me give the rating and then you'll give your, your real final thoughts because you're, you're, you're pulling a jello right now. <laughs> uh, so three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're you, you're going to continue listening to that you like. One is a bad album, but give it a shot so you can, get, can give it a good a, a proper opinion. And zero is just it's going to your ears have been run over by a truck. That's a zero. So what are your final thoughts, Jeff? I want to hear your final thoughts first. You hear my final thoughts? Ooh, that this is unprecedented. Yeah. I never give my final thoughts first. So the Dead Kennedys. Like them from the beginning, since I was what in fifth or sixth grade when Tony Hawk came out with Police Truck, got into him more in like that was my friend or eighth grade. Kennedys, yes, eighth grade. <laughs> for me, for me, for me, this is my own personal experience. I liked him from the beginning. I thought they were great. I always thought Jello was great. Got more into him as the you know his his background story, and I've always thought he was a truly, truly fascinating character or person. I should say, not even a character, just a person, because he he lives by it, you know. We didn't even get into some of like why the Dead Kennedys. He never got back the Dead Kennedys, which is still the coolest thing ever as to why he hasn't. Uh, but yeah, awesome band, great music. Jello is truly a genius, an underrated genius when it comes to music and lyrics. P 
people need to talk about him more. He has some, he's a very well-spoken man. And this album, Fresh Fruit, it's, I don't have any stinkers. They're all bangers. Uh, no okay songs. And you know what? I'm going to have to give this album a three. It's a perfect album. It's a perfect punk album. It's a perfect album commentary wise. It has everything that you could want from, from a political album and from a punk album. It's perfect. That's it's cute. perfect. Absolutely perfect. What are your final thoughts? Your real final thoughts, not not Tyler's final thoughts. Oh, God. What do you got? Uh, I, I think the Dead Kennedys are plagued more so by their their fan legacy than they are their actual statement or music. In okay. that, the people that like the Dead Kennedys that I've come into contact with, again, my small scope of of people <laughs> not one of them have ever told me all of this not one of them have ever have ever mentioned anything close to any of this it's, it's always just been dude the dead kennys are there they were the original punk band they're the best that's why you should listen to them they're aggressive they're tight mm-hmm. and so i i think they're 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 plagued by their fans they're they're plagued by their fans that to be honest, I think they don't even want. I don't think Jello wants those type of fans. And I agree. I think the Dead Kennedys are 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 multifaceted. I think there's mm-hmm. there's there's so much more to the Dead Kennedys than than they're given credit for. There's so much more to the Dead Kennedys musically. We even talk about the drummer, but yeah, I mean, as as far as like the guitars and the bass is concerned, I mean, there's they're fucking good. They're fantastic. They're really, really talented. And Jello, who is not a bad singer, but also knows how to use his voice as like an instrument, which is always great because we're not we're not really big on like lyrics or singers, mostly because singers just kind of go along with the melody and they carry the melody, which is fine. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, but to have a singer that can that that uses so much so much inflection and and so many different things in their voice to where they can not only carry the melody but also add an extra layer to the music, I think is solid. And then above all else, like like the Dead Kennedys' message is is still true today, which is weird and kind of scary and bizarre. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I don't know, man. I think the Dead Kennedys are 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 a fantastic band and, and a historic band and one for the ages. Yes, but this ain't a three. I'm gonna tell you that right oh now. Oh my god, this you ain't are a three. So dumb. This ain't a three. You are so stupid. This ain't a three. <laughs> At best. But you give Pinkerton a perfect three. Oh, for sure. Fucking for dumb. sure. Dumb. Better musicianship. <sighs> God. So and what do you rate this one? This one I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do two point eight. I'm gonna do. 2. Oh 8. my god! No. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do two. <laughs> After all that, you know, it's just. I'm gonna do two point eight. You're unbelievable. What did we do last week? What album do? What stupid album did we do last week? Uh, I'm the Avalanche. Perfect three. Avalanche United. <laughs> oh my god! For what dead the dead Kennys and Jello have done with music. You give this, you don't even give it a perfect rating. It's 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 insane. It's just insane. Off off topic, real quick. Kevin just texted me back, and he laid down his bike twice and broke his collarbone once. Wait, what? 
Kevin Lever Who? laid down his bike twice and broke his collarbone. Oh, once. oh. Therefore, everybody you know has gotten some pretty bad accident at some point. There you go. <laughs> Forgot about the, what we, the motorcycle thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Damn. 2.8. 2.8. Wow. 2. You're 8. unbelievable. I am unbelievable. unbelievable. Dude, I don't even know. I, that's a lot higher than I thought I was going to give it to begin with, to be fair. Still. Still. I think at Would worst, you? at worst, I would probably give any one of their albums like a 2. two? But I think... Oh my god! But you gave the the Misfits record. What did we do? We did. Did we do Static Age? No, we did. What album did we do? We did Static Age. Yeah. Did we do Static Age? Because it was our first. No. Oh yeah, we did Static Age. Yeah. 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 I was thinking Walk Among Us, but no, we did Static Age, and you gave that a perfect rating. Oh. This is better than Static Age. No, it's not. (laughs) Yes, it is. The musicianship on Static Age is much better than this. Oh my god, dude! You are so stupid. Jello has You're so stupid. Jello has You're saying the things. musicianship is better on Static Age than this. Yes, that's absolutely. insanity. One hundred percent insanity. This is this is I don't good. know. This is sorry. I take it back. It's not good. This is the best iteration of surf punk rock we've ever heard. No matter what they think. This I don't know it. how many. This is I don't pinnacle. know how many stupid pills you took today. <laughs> but holy shit, saying that. This is not as good musically as Static Age, isn't is insanity? Wow. Yeah. Easy. I mean, that was that would that's not even like that, that, that. No argument. No argument. <sighs> You're exhausting. You're exhausting. That's what no you are. No argument. Oh my god. I just I have no other words. I have no words. Well, no words for you. If you, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you want from me. I want you to say the right thing. I'm like Usher. I forget about game. I speak the truth. And you don't even quote someone cool. Oh my god! All right. That's well, cool that's quote. it for th- what? That's a cool quote, though. Uh, not really. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I I, I don't know. I, I think that's about it for this episode. We've been going for a while. Thank you all for listening to Asinine Radio, the greatest music podcast in the world. Um, go to iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And I'm pretty sure I know what we're doing next week, and we're probably going to make a lot of people mad if we do this album. So stay tuned for it. I'm not going to tell you right now what it is. Uh, Thank you again for listening, and that's it. That's all. Uh, this is a this is a band that that Jeff and I hi, we we think uh, we think uh, we we like a lot. I can't even fucking talk. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy goddamn! <laughs> this is the fucking worst. This is the worst thing I remember.